0: This message was recorded in a live service at Christian Life Church in Waco, Texas. We are always excited to know we can share the Word of God with people around the world. If God has blessed you through one of our podcasts, please share your story with us at connect.clcwaco.org. We hope that the following message has blessed your life as it has ours. Thank you for tuning in. It is written. I love one of my favorite scriptures. I got a lot of favorite scriptures. And when Jesus uh, looked at Satan, he said, It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Amen. And let me tell you something. The name, the name of Jesus, demons have to bow. When you call on the name of Jesus, it's a powerful thing. I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus. I like it when uh, in Mark chapter 5, legions, uh, he sees Jesus afar off and he ran and worshiped him. And he was full of a legion of devils. And we say, well, I just can't worship. I just can't. Why would we be bound by anything if you had legions of devils, that's two to 6,000, depending on whose definition we're gonna use, two to 6,000 devils could not stop this man from running to Jesus and crying out to him. And let me tell you something, we live in a day today. Don't tell me that the world and things are gonna stop people from running to the church. They will run to the church. When we are recognizable, let me tell you, uh, if you was out in a, on a dark night, you'd be looking, you always, I remember it being in the woods camping out, and you'd always be looking for a light. Because if you knew there was a night light, there was probably going to be life somewhere around that. And that's the way the church is. We, are a, we need to be a light set on a hill where everybody can see us. We shouldn't put what we have under a bushel. We shouldn't hide it. So we're going to talk about the word. Uh, Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty-four and twenty-five. says therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice, like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And that's part of my Bible study. We have, uh, we have started rightly dividing the word on Wednesday nights, and we're going to touch on this scripture, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but in my Bible setting, I'd like to thank everybody that comes to my Bible study because it's been awesome, and it's, going to, it's, it's even going to get better, and uh, we're going to talk about this setting of scripture, and he says, therefore, everyone who hears the word of mine and puts them in, into practice, don't just hear them, but he's a doer of the word, it's like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Understanding the Bible. Hang on to me. Let me have a little water there. What is the word? The word Bible actually means book. And it was written over a 1600 year period of time. In dozens of countries on three continents by people from all walks of life. And you know what the amazing thing is? Is there is over 40 writers, but there was one author. You know, Hosea, he didn't he didn't know what Malachi was writing. Malachi didn't know what Hosea was writing. I can't name all the minor, uh, minor prophets. I, You know, you may can do that. I hope you, I'm glad you can. I can look them up in the Bible real fast though. <laughs> but, uh. But they didn't know. They were just writing what God told them to write. And and it's all correlated together. And it flows. The Old Testament flows into the New Testament. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, uh, for correction, for instructions in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly finished unto all good works. And now let me read it to you in the NIV. It says, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All men, small and great, one day are going to stand before God. And we're going to give an account for our life. Whether we it's been for good or we've wasted it. And, and the way we... The only way that you're going to be successful on the job, it doesn't matter what you do, if you're a plumber, you're an electrician, you're going to have to educate yourself, correct? If you're going to be an engineer, you have to go to school to be an engineer. So you have to read. You have to study. The Bible talks about study to show thyself approved. Why do you do that? So you will not, in the day of judgment, stand there and say, well, I didn't know God. Wow, how many of you guys, how many of you guys at home, how many or with you, how many of you guys have a Bible? Everybody here has a Bible, just about it. Uh, how many Bibles do you have? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus. And when you start talking about Bibles, I, I, I remember years ago, I would go to conferences and I'd see preachers over there with their phones, you know, I'd go, smart Alec! smart Uh that's a smart Alec, techie guy, God is. I got my Bible out. Look, I'll never do that. I'll never be looking at my Bible. Like, I'll never be looking at my cell phone. And now I'm afraid I had to pick my Bible up every once in a while just to read in it. Amen. To keep it, all the pages sticking together. But let me tell you, this right here, there is so much knowledge in, in Bible apps, you version, And uh, matter of fact, the Bible, is not written in chronological order. What do you mean? Some of you don't. I don't even know what the word chronological means. What it means is it's not written uh, from, you know, that's why when you read it, you can get very, very bogged down. Is because it's not written on the same timeline. Because it's not written on the same timeline. But there's a version, I as a matter of fact, I looked at it in new version, that you can go read the new text. Uh, New Testament in uh, chronological order. And also, you can go read the Old Testament in chronological order. I used to have a Reeves Chronological Bible. I think, Pop, you probably have one in your library. A Reeves Chronological Order Bible. And I started reading it, and it was all in order. And there would be different Psalms in different places in the Scripture. But, and so when we understand that, we understand That first of all, we were written and we understand there's an Old Testament. I know this is maybe very elementary to some of you today, but this is just good teaching. And we're going to put some meat on this in a moment. Right here, we're going to put some meat on it right now. A lot of people don't understand this. Overview of the Old Testament. First of all, you have five books that's a law, and that's Genesis through Deuteronomy. It's kind of historical law. And then you've got historical books, which is 12 books go Joshua through Esther. Now you could group those together if you wanted to, but when you chronological, uh, chronologically, or excuse me, put those in its right order, you can study the Bible, especially the New Testament. And then you have 17 books that, that are poetical books. And where does that start? It starts with the book of Job. Oh, I, th- I thought for sure it would start, start with Psalms. No, it doesn't start with Psalms. It starts with the book of Job. And then you have five major prophets, Isaiah through Daniel. And then there are 12 minor prophets in the New Testament. And you said, well, Pastor, I didn't get anything out of that. Well, let me tell you, if you'll go home and study this and get your Bible out and look at it, and just look at it a little bit. I mean, that's like anything you get, you're going to have to look at it or it's not, going to, it's not going to achieve anything. You know, whatever it is, you get new tools, you can go, wow, look, I got some new tools over there, man. Come over the house and I go, what, what you doing, man? I said, "I got some new tools. Wow, don't they look cool? Well, they're not ever going to do me any good if I leave them in the box. So is the Word of God. If, unless I dive into the pages of the book of the Word of God, I'm not going to be able to achieve what God wants me to achieve. So I've got to search the Scriptures. And then you go from the Old Testament, you go into to the New Testament, and the, and the New Tech, Testament can be rightly divided also. An overview of the New Testament. First of all, you have the four Gospels. I know this is, this is repetition. But you're going to learn something. The first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it is the biography of Jesus. It is the teaching of Jesus. It is in the New Testament, but they were, when actually uh, these things were happening, not when they wrote it because they wrote it after they started the New Testament, after God poured His Spirit out upon the New Testament church. It is actually written when Jesus is walking on the earth, they're actually walking in the Old Testament. It's not New Testament because the testator had to die before you can actually, you know, when someone passes away, you have to take the wheel and you take it down to the courthouse or to the lawyer and they have a word for it. It's not, my mind's not working good right now. They probate the wheel. Well, let me tell you something. When we get, take the word of God after Jesus the testator has died, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, now we can probate God's will yeah. by looking into the Scriptures and studying the Scriptures. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's like four people standing on a corner. Car wreck happens. You walk up to, to Matthew and says, Well, I saw him driving down through here. And, well, what did you see, Mark? Well, I saw him hit his brakes. What did you see, Luke? Well, I saw that other car coming to the intersection. And what did you see, John? This is kind of a John thing. I talked this Wednesday night. Well, John got real spiritual. (laughs) And John is very spiritual. It is a very spiritual book of the four Gospels. And I like to read John. There is a lot of meat in in the book of John. Matter of fact, uh, you you rightly divide it and you, you start understanding the Scripture. The book of John... It's very, very powerful. We'll get back to that in just a moment. And then, uh, secondly, in the New Testament, you have the book of Acts, which is the historical record of the first day church. You know, a lot of people don't understand this. The church did not start when John the Baptist baptized Jesus. That is not where it started. It actually started in Acts chapter 2. Matter of fact, you had to go to Acts chapter 11 about verse 15, 16, 17, and read there and find that said they received Acts chapter 10. Also, they received the like gift as we did when they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it talks about in the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of the New Testament church, which actually started in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is actually, that's just kind of short for, what's the real name of the, of the book? It's the actions of the apostles. This is the actions of the apostles. And when we, that's going to mean a lot to us. And they point straight to the epistles. It's written wrong in your notes. There was 21. Romans through Jude, I believe there's 21 epistles there. And after we're saved, it tells us how to stay saved. It tells us how to live our life. It even tells about marriage. I like that one. What do you mean? What does it tell about marriage? Well, the Bible says it'd be better if a man never even touched a woman. (laughs) You think about that. Think about that, man. Look at your wife and go home today and say, Pastor said it'd be better if I never even touched you. <laughs> Whop! <laughs> well, matter of fact, the Bible says it would be best if, if, you, if you could, and there are very few people who can do this, but he, it says it'd be best, if, basically, if you never married. Uh, one preacher, you know, he, I, I, I met him, I knew a little bit about his life, and he said, I've been married two times. I went, man, that guy got married when he was 17 to this girl. How could he have gotten married before that? He said, well, first of all, I married Jesus. I like that. I said, wow, I can handle that. I've been married that way too. So first of all, I want to be married to Jesus. And then I married my wife. And she was sitting right over there. She's sitting somewhere. She may be back in the back. But. It talks about marital. It solves marital problems. It talks about fasting, how you're to do it, and things you're to do, things you're not to do. And and there's just a lot of do's, not do's and don'ts, but it gives you direction. And if you pray and seek the face of God and read the epistles, God is going to speak to you and God's going to show you things. And then uh, lastly, but not... But not least, you have the book of Revelation, which is prophecy of the last days and eternity. Matter of fact, there's prophecies in the book of Revelation that has already been fulfilled. There are prophecies in the book of Revelation that are just now being fulfilled. And there are future prophecies in the book of Revelation that in the future is going to be filled. One of the things right now that impresses on me or presses on me more than anything is that new chip we have in our cards. Everybody, if you've got a if you've got a, a bank card, it's gonna have a little silver place down on the end, a little square. Rick and I was checking it out this morning. We got to looking at it. You could actually see little things in that little silver part, and that is actually a chip in there. And this chip is actually the book of Revelation, chapter 13. I've talked about that here lately, maybe in this room and back in my class. That in Revelation chapter 13, it says, There will come a day when all small and great, shall be, they'll be made to take the mark of the beast. Because if you don't take the mark of the beast, you can't buy, sell, or trade. But also in the book of Revelation, it talks about Jesus coming for his bride. And he's coming for a bride that's made herself ready. He's been, she's been getting ready. And the church can be talking in a feminine uh, standpoint. I'm not any, very much about me as feminine at all. But, uh, but we are the bride of Christ. And if the bride is making herself ready. You know, we get ready for everything. And let me tell you something else uh, we think about. We think about this. That well, in, in the... In the afterlife. Afterlife? What do you mean afterlife? That's going to be the life. This is the before life. But that, when we get there, that is true life. When, when you think about that, it's going to be true life. Well, what are we going to do? Well, there's, there's not going to be such thing as time because time is going to stand still. And I don't know about you, but have you ever been in the Spirit? There's been those services where we'd really get in the Spirit, with you worshiping God, or you would be in a prayer meeting, and you would be praying and just really get in the Spirit, praying, and all of a sudden you look up and you go, wow, where did that hour go? I've been here an hour praying and worshiping God. I can't, let me tell you, myself, I can't pray over 5 or 10, 15 minutes uh, by myself. But when the Spirit begins to move... When the Spirit begins to move in me, it what, what does that signify? It's a portion of eternity. And the reason it seems like that time stands still is because we're in that portion, almost eternity, and we're there, and there's no such a thing as time. Time stands still. And... You just go, and the Lord takes you. You feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Have you ever felt that way before? Amen. I, that, that is that is awesome. Uh, I, I like that. I love to get in the Spirit. We're praying every morning. Let me announce this, make this announcement. We should have made it earlier. I, I apologize, but we're going to pray, pray. People be going to be coming to the church this week at, at 6 o'clock in the morning. Again, Brother Rick shows up about, uh, he shows up about, I guess, 5.30. He has to go to work real early. And so the church is going to be open. Uh, somebody be here around 5.30. I, I've been getting here about 6.15, 6.30 and, and praying. But the church will be open Monday through Friday at 5.30 till 7.00. 5.30 till 7. And if you want to come and pray, the auditorium will be open. The doors out front will be open. The prayer room doors. If you come early in the morning and the front doors are not open and you can't get in, if you'll come around and knock on the prayer room doors, we will let you in. And we, we do. We keep the doors locked around here. Because you'll never know who's going to walk up or who's going to walk in. So this rem- week, remember, we're we'll praying at 5.30 till 7 every evening. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday we're going to have a ten o'clock prayer meeting, and it, it, the people who want to come can come pray in the morning. Amen. Everybody said, "Praise the Lord." That was free. So the plot, the mirror image, when we look into the scriptures, when you look at Genesis one and two, it's God and righteous man in the in paradise. I mean, man, he had it. He had everything he wanted. It was. But he looked around, he didn't have, he didn't, every, every animal there had a, had a female, and he didn't have a female. And so he said, God, he didn't know what he asked for, that's so what it is when he asked God that. He said, God, I'm sure I'm lonely, man. I'd like to have, you know, those deer out there, they have a, a doe, and can you, you know, can you get me a, a opposite? And, he, and so he went into a deep seat. The Bible says he took from his real, from his side, amen. He took and he made Eve. And that they were in a perfect paradise. They were in a perfect place. Paradise. Wow. It was awesome. Matter of fact, they just went and they want something. To eat. They walk over and they pick a banana, pick whatever fruit they wanted. And, and the water, it never rained. The water came up from underneath. It was kind of um, like a sprinkler system. God's, it's a lot better than the ones you buy, put in your yard. I can guarantee you that. (laughs) And so that that is actually God and his righteous man in paradise, Genesis 1 and 2. And, And then in verses 3 through 5, we find that Satan and sin entered. And when sin entered, watch what sin does. This is what sin always does. It does in your life before you come to God. You are separated from God. And if you are in church, when you sin, it separates you from God. Am I right? You feel you come to church. You feel out of place in the church. People are lifting their hands and worshiping, and you can't lift your hands and worship because you feel condemnation. That is because of separation. It is a gap. That is that distance you feel because of sin. And that's what happened. In Genesis three, three through five, Satan and sin entered in. He he deceived the woman, and man followed the woman. It's kind of like you want to know where the do you want to know where all the guys are? Show me where the women are. That's a little bit of truth in, in it. Amen. I mean, when I was in the world, we wouldn't go to clubs where there was just a bunch of guys hanging around. We wanted to go where the women were. And, well, that's just nature itself. And, and, but we find that they sinned, they fail, they were actually driven from the Garden of Eden. And then you find in Genesis 6 through 9, the world judged and destroyed. And, and, and you know, how did he destroy it? This is the day of Noah. Matter of fact, he was going to kill all of mankind, but there was a man named Noah that was a righteous man, and he's praised, and he seeks God, and, 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 and he tells Noah to go build an ark, and it spends 120 years building an ark, and you know the story, and he's out there preaching, uh, I guess at that day on the street corner, everybody's driving by looking at, look at that thing, what is that thing? This dumb guy named Noah is out here on the corner preaching, it's going to rain. What's rain? That's kind of like God's going to pull his spirit out. And people look at you and say, what's that? Because we are so far, our generation is so far removed and separated from God. And, and then after, uh, after the, God judged the world and he destroyed the world, then there become a, like a one world government system. We find, why? How do you see that? Because of the Tower of Babel. They said, we, we're going to overtake God. We're going to build a tower. So God, they had it in their heart that they was going to do this. So God had to mix all the languages up. And this guy comes up over here and he talks to him every day. But today, this day he comes up and he's speaking Portuguese. I'm like, hey, dude, what's wrong with you? And this guy over here is speaking Chinese. Before long, they find all the people that speak the languages, and they group together. And this is God's method of breaking up the one world system of that time. And then then after this, there were 12 tribes of Israel. And Israel's God, he, he tried to make, this is a holy people, he chose Israel. He found a man by the name of Jacob. First of all, we find that Abraham, God spoke to him, get up and get out of the land where he was born. And he left that land and he was looking for a city. He never found that city he was looking for in this life. And he had children, had Isaac. And then we find Isaac had Jacob and Esau. And, and, and Jacob, he was a deceiver, but he, he, He needed something from God, and he had a relationship with God. One time, you know about the story about he laid his head. When he left, fleeing for his life, he found a place, later to call it Bethel, which means house of God. He laid his head on a rock, and he had a vision or a dream to where he was ascending and descending. Amen. Ascending and descending. There was a a stair there, or excuse me, a ladder up into the heavens. And later in his life, when they fell in sin, he told them they cleaned themselves, and it was a type of getting back to God that, that they took themselves and and they headed back to Bethel because they needed get, to get right with God. And so they headed back to Bethel. And there we find, that's the 12 tribes. There's a lot of history there. And, and there is where the law of Moses was given. They were given rules and regulations that they could not live by. I mean, the rules and regulations, they were so strenuous that they could not live by them. Could not do it. And, and you know what? That didn't work either. Why? Because the law was all about the external. That's, that's like, you know, you can see some people, they come to this church and they walk in and they go, well, I thought this was a Pentecostal church. It doesn't look like a Pentecostal church. There are some people here that do look Pentecostal. And there are a lot of people that don't look Pentecostal. And they, they identify us by what we look like. And they identify somebody being religious by what they have on. I will say this, that when you have a true relationship with God, he will adjust your life and your lifestyle And he will show you and lead you and guide you. But if we're just living by a book of rules, and that's why in in conservative churches, many of the young people leave because they just can't quite live by all the rules. I can't, I gotta have something more than rules. Wow. All them rules and regulations And then guess what happens? God says, I'll tell you what i do. He's prophesying of the coming of the Messiah all through the major prophets, the minor prophets. And then there's a child that is born. Unto us a son is given. That's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. He shall be called the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Counselor, the Prince of Peace. And, And, of course, he's born in Bethlehem. And Jesus steps on the scene. And what did he come for? Under the law, they were having sacrifices in the temple and they were doing all the rules and regulations. And they were, the Bible says that there is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. And they were shedding blood. But Jesus come to walk among men. God robed himself in flesh, made him some flesh, impregnated Mary, the spirit overshadowed Mary. He walks among men. He teaches them. He has a following. Matter of fact, think about this. It is said that every person can, somewhere, their their circle of influence is going to be from six to twelve people. I guess it was no different with Jesus. Because at one time he looked at the 12 and he had thousands following him at one time on the mountainside. And I guess something came along pretty hard, and, and he got to talking pretty straight to people, and they began to leave. And then he looked at the 12 apostles and he said, Are you going to leave me also? So he had 12 men, and one of them, one of them was going to betray him. But Jesus come and walked among men. This, I'm talking about the Scriptures, going through the Scriptures, studying the Scriptures, reading this and understanding it, this. Let me tell you something. Jesus comes, and, and you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. you got to realize this. The separation of sin... It'll send you to the hot spot. I don't even like to say hell, because you know. I said, I said, but it's truthful. If you live in sin, you 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 know you'll you're going to wind up in hell. But Jesus come to redeem us. I like that. He re, He came to redeem us. I was looking up that word redeem in there. That 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 word is is further in my notes, but. Actually means that that he's going to free you from whatever sin you have. You know, I'm, this is just this is far. I got talking to Brother Rick. I was telling him about that. Yes, Watch this. I, I'm going to be in trouble for saying this. Is anybody here ever watched Ron White? I see some of you have. He was talking about, he went to a, a a Czech festival or something. Might have been in West at the Czech Festival. And, it, and there was a beer line over there. So he went and got in the beer line. And he got up to get his beer and he pulled his money out. And they said, Oh, I'm sorry, we don't take money. We only take coupons. This is the way my mind works. You only take coupons, he said. Yeah, you see that line over there? You go over there and buy your coupons. That don't make no sense, does it? Why couldn't I just give you the money? Because you got to have a coupon to redeem what you want. And Jesus paid the price, and He come to redeem us. I guess you could say what He did on the cross was our coupon. That's why he says it—not coupon, but coupon. It's our coupon to life everlasting, amen. And he said, "I'm going to give it to you for free. You can have this for free." Those twelve disciples, the church—you know—he looked and he said, "I'm going to have a holy people." Now, when you look at the uh, disciples and you say, what is so important about the disciples? Well, I, I would say that they're pretty important because I find in the book of uh, Revelation, let me see where I wrote that down yet. I, I don't know if I wrote it down. I don't think it did. But Revelation chapter 20, about I think it's verse 17 or so, it talks about the, the foundation of the walls of the city in New Jerusalem. Guess whose names are in that foundation? the 12 apostles of Jesus. So I would say whatever they said carried a lot of weight. Whatever they did carried a lot of weight because they were the ones that was closest to Jesus. And he had to replace Jude. And and basically, uh, I guess his name won't be there, but I think Paul, God really intended for Paul to be there in his place because he is considered... The, uh, actually, the Gentile, he is a disciple to the Gentile world, and we are the Gentile world. He is the one that reached us. Now, a lot of people think about sin and they go, you know, if I sin, I'm gonna go to hell. Well, hell is not a place God sends you. Because He's mad at you. Remember that. God's not mad at you. We think, well, God's mad at me. No. He's not like us. He doesn't hold grudges. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't hold grudges. But I will say this. If you don't let Him redeem you, He will let you go to hell and pay the price yourself for your sins and he died on the cross to pay for my sins and that's why it's so important to seek after him and take on the very nature of Christ and take his word and study his word because he took my place if he wouldn't have taken my place, I was going to have to go down there and pay, pay it myself. You know, it's kind of like you, you got to go down and pay a bill this late. Oh, man, I hate to go pay that. I'm going to walk in there. I'm going to be embarrassed because I hadn't paid the bill. And then all of a sudden you get a phone call and say, guess what? It's been paid for. Amen. That's kind of the way that what the Lord did for us. I'm going to have to pay my price for sin. Oh, no, it's been paid for. We just have to take it and apply it to our lives. So there were 12 disciples and 12 uh, of God's holy people, and they, they started the New Testament church, and then persecution had to come to scatter the church throughout uh, Asia Minor and throughout that area, even to Asia, Southeast Asia, all over that area. And then what happens now? In the book of Revelations, Chapter 6 through 19, we find now that they're trying to have another one world religion. They're trying to put this thing together called the New World Order. Wow. Wouldn't that be so neat? I thought about that as a kid. Man. I'd sit and I, I, they would talk about wars. I grew up, I graduated high school in 1976. My brother, we had to worry about whether if he was going to be drafted into the Army. His number was high enough. He was number 315, so we knew he wasn't going to be drafted. But a lot of guys were drafted and went to war. So uh, there was always that, that fear of going to war. And, and you know, that, that, was a, that was a scary thing. It's to think, wow, well, that maybe one day I'm going to be sent off to war. You know, we live in such a different day today. We live; it's so, it's so different from the day that we lived. I grew up in a day to where we got to school at 8 o'clock in the morning. And at 8.05, the whole school, it was a small country school, grade 1 through 12. We didn't have no kindergarten. Hey Amen. we didn't do that kindergarten thing back then. We were just dumb when we went to school. <laughs> poor poor lady. Miss Bessie Rogers, she was a nervous wreck. This, that woman, I'm telling you, she, all the time I could say, Miss, Miss, Miss Rogers. Dick Jane and Spot. How many people remember Dick Jane and Spot? They don't have Dick Jane and Spot no more? I went way out here on a limb now. <laughs> I'm in trouble. But, but we're looking at uh, this new world order and this one world government. Matter of fact, it talks about the coming of the Lord. And, and it talks about the seven churches in Revelations chapter 1 through 3. And it talks about what's wrong with every one of those churches. And then it talks about Revelation chapter 3. The last one is the church of Laodicea, which is depicted. A lot of them say that, well, we're all part of the seven churches, that that's those spirits of the seven churches are active in all the churches today. Well, that's all right. But then some say that either, we're either the church of Philadelphia, which is the sixth church, or the, or the uh, church of Laodicea. And Laodicea, they thought they were ready to meet God And God said, because you're what? You're rich and increased with goods. You're neither hot nor cold. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. So Jesus, Jesus is going to come for his church and he's going to redeem us. And let me tell you, he's, he's, he's going to take us to a paradise. And let me tell you, the world's going to be judged. And you can find that in Revelation six through 19. The wrath of God's going to be poured out. Now, some people believe that, you know, we're not going to suffer anything. The Lord's just going to come and take us, and we're not going to have to go through anything. We're not going to have to go through the first three and a half years of tribulation, a second three and a half years of the wrath of God. But I don't know about that. You know, I, I, I kind of, sometimes I kind of lean more to a mid or maybe a post. Maybe we're not just going to skip out of here. Because there's going to be some under an altar somewhere that's crying out because their heads were chopped off. And they're going to be crying out and they're going to be saying, well, when are we going to be redeemed? We're under the altar. When are we going to be redeemed? When are you going to come for us? I wonder if that's us sometimes. And that's a very deep subject when you begin to talk about about the coming of the Lord and what we may go through, what we may not go through. And, and then the world's gonna be judged. The first time it was covered by water, he's never gonna do that again. The next time it's gonna be by fire. And then it's gonna be, a, a, after a thousand years, there's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth. And we're gonna live and reign with him throughout eternity. You know, a thousand year millennial reign, that's when the lamb shall lay down by the lion. That's when the child should put his hand upon uh, the adder's den. That's when you see those crazy things on uh, YouTube where kids are playing with cobras over in India. That's crazy. And I I don't believe that's, I don't think that's prophecy being fulfilled. I I think that's just ignorance of people. But there's coming a time when he's going to redeem us. And me living for him because I've made myself ready. If the if our for musicians to come back. I've made myself ready because I've rightly divided the Word of God. And and then we find that in Revelation chapter 20, Satan and sin exits. He's bound for a thousand years. A seal is put on it. He can't get out. Then he's going to be loose for a short season. And then everything will be destroyed and then there'll be a great white throne judgment and those that that have not lived for God they're going to stand before God and they're going to give an account for what they did but me I'm going to stand back there I'm going to say I got my redeeming card I got my reading I've been redeemed I've been redeemed. Matter of fact, we're going to have white robes, and the Bible says not a spot or a wrinkle in them. I don't want anything to, to stain my, my relationship with God. I want to get clean. I want to be right. That's what fasting, praying, and seeking God, that's what it's all about. It's, there's some people that want to be right with God. I want to be right. God redeems man in paradise, Revelation 21 22. and the subject is Jesus. To buy back. That's what it means. He's bought us back. To free us from harm. That is the definition of redeemed. The subject is Jesus. And we are the object. The subject is Jesus and we are the object. Listen to what the word of the Lord says in John chapter 5 verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. That's what Jesus said. It points to me. Jesus said it points to me. So Jesus is the way. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the door. And if you climb up any other way, that's what he said. If you climb up any other way, you're not going to be accepted. Amen. He's he's not going to let you in. You're not going to be a part of it. And then, you know, that's the subject is Jesus. The object is Mankind and the verb here is to give because God gave. And this is where it leaves us today if we'll stand. This is where it leaves us today. What do we give? I'm not taking up an offering. No, I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about my life. What am I asked to do? Give myself to Him. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and, and preached, repent. That's like J- John the Baptist come out of the, the wilderness of Judea. Repent. 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 Can you say that? Repent. Can you say it? Repent. Come on, say it better than that. Repent. Amen. <laughs> repent. Hey, You better be careful how you say it. You might offend somebody. And they'll never come back. I, I want them to come back. I want you to come back. Repent. Repent. You know, I repent daily. I repent before I go to sleep at night. Why? Why do you do that? Why do you repent every night before you go to sleep? Because if I die in my sleep, or if the Lord comes in the night, I sure don't want to wake, you know, I wake up, night, my wife gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning, 4.30, and I look over in the bed, and I go, my God, I wish has the Lord come? <laughs> no, I know it hadn't come. I'm still here. That's bad. Says so the Lord come? Wow, you ever done that? You ever went in the house and the, your wife's car was there and you run in the house, you got kids and all of a sudden you go through the house and nobody's there. Have you, ever, have you ever done And you go, wow, did the Lord come? Did I miss something? Wow, wow. Well, let me tell you, if you miss, if you miss the coming of the Lord, you've missed it all. You've missed every bit of it. Because when you say give, give and it should be given to you. Press down, shaken together, running over, shall men get it into your bosom. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about giving yourself to God. We're talking about giving your very life to God. I'm giving myself. God, I am. Just like when, a, when I was an athlete, when I was young, I gave it everything, Jolene, that I had. Oh, I'd give it everything. I'd run over people in football. I could do it. I'm just glad Willie wasn't playing against me when we was playing. He's a big old boy. But those, those regular-sized guys, amen, am I right, Jay? Those guys that were a little bit lighter than the britches, i run over them. The lesser weight sure paid off at that time. Oh, I'd run, just run smooth over them. Coaches like that. Well, let me tell you something. Can I give the Lord any less? Oh, God. Here I am, Lord. I give you my all. You gave it all. I give you my all. Hallelujah. Come on, let's get, come on, keep clapping your hands to the Lord. He gave, so we must give. I give myself without any reservation. Hallelujah. Ooh, hallelujah. Let's, put, let's bow our heads for a minute. Let's close our eyes. Let me ask you something. Are you here this morning? And you've been away from, you've, there's been a gap in your life. You could be coming to church and there's still a gap in your life. Something in that gap. And, you, and you're saying this morning, Lord, well, I want to ask you this. Would you raise your hand if you if you'll say, Lord, I want to give it, I want to give it my all again. I want to give it all. Hallelujah. That's good. There's a lot of folks raising their hands this morning. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. You can put your hand down. I want to give you my all, Lord. Now, I want to ask you something. Now, I never did this. I was raised in a Methodist church. We didn't do much walking the aisle. If it was close to 12 o'clock, we had to get out by 1201 to see the Cowboys play. But some folks was raised Congregational Methodists. They were shouting Methodists. Then it was notorious for Baptist churches. Somebody would walk the aisle. And said the preacher, they'd play that song until somebody walked. Coach Kerrigan said he he had walked just so they could get out of church. (sighs) That's that's terrible. But he said, I knew they were going to keep singing until somebody came down. He said, I'd go down every Sunday. Lord, I need you. Well, maybe you're here this morning and we're not going to judge anybody because I can't judge you. I'm not here to judge you. But there's a gap and you're, you're, maybe you want to step out and you want to say, Lord, I want to come down and I want our prayer team, I w- if you would, step out from where you are and, and, and maybe you want to say, Lord, I'm ready to give it my all. Hallelujah. Because I'm beginning to understand, Lord, about this that we're all, we have a destiny. So I want to ask you right now, Chris, would you come help me? Amen. He's my favorite guy. Could you help
1: us? This morning, this isn't about just being that one person coming down, just the first person, you know. I know sometimes people are worried about stepping out of their seats and coming down into the altars, because they well, if I get down there, that person person is going to try to pray for me. Thank you. It's got spit all over it. That person (laughs) is going to try to pray for me. Well, it's not about that this morning. If you need prayer, we we, we don't come jump on you. You can come to these guys, and they'll pray with you, and come find them. But if you just want to step out this morning, you know what? I believe in taking steps of faith, physical steps of faith. That's when we started doing the first Wednesday worship, because I believe I need to worship God physically, right? I wonder if we can cheer, just clear out this morning, clear out of our seats this morning, and take that, that physical step to say, God, I really do want to be a new creature. I, 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 want to, I want to give you more than I've ever given you before. God, I now want to be closer to you than I've ever been before. Can we just take that physical step and step out into these altars this morning, now,